Hi, I'm Robert Rogers at Parks Motor Sales Buick GMC. Parks Motor Sales was founded by my granddad, Bobby Parks, and my great-granddad, Julian Mays, in 1958. We've been family-owned the whole time, and being family-owned, locally-owned, means you get to get your next vehicle or your existing vehicle serviced by the same people who stand in the grocery line with you, drop their kids off at the same school you do, and smile and are happy to see you when they do. So come see us at Parks Motor Sales in Columbia, Tennessee on 919 Nashville Highway or ParksMotorSales.com. Hello, I'm Barbara Lincoln with Holland's Pharmacy. You may have heard our previous commercials about compression hosiery that we carry at Holland's Pharmacy. Well, we've recently expanded into a full line of knee braces, back, wrist, ankle, and other support wear. We will gladly help you get just the right fit for these items and, of course, special order items to ensure the proper fit. Come see us at Holland's Pharmacy, 1608 Hatcher Lane, or call us at 931-388-4233. 388-4233. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard, so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter, like the stair that only creaks when everyone else in the house is asleep. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090 for all your home comfort needs. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American Standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090. Hi, I'm Steve, the Garbage Man. Are you new to Murray County? We want to welcome you and your family. We are a local residential garbage service and we want to be your garbage man. We've been around for over 30 years, so we have a reputation. Check us out at garbagemaninc.com or call Mike at 931-540-0919. You could also ask your neighbor. 931-540-0919. Are you thinking about a new fence? Maybe you need a pole bar. Then you should give Sands Fence Company a call. That's 931-309-1644. Will Sands has built his business based on the principles of honesty, quality, and integrity. Sands Fence Company has been in business for over 20 years, providing the community with farm, residential, and commercial fencing, as well as pole barns and buildings. Call today for a free estimate. Sands Fence Company, 931-309-1644. 931-309-1644. Brown's Body Shop has two locations to provide your vehicles with high-quality body and frame repairs, the best paint jobs, and custom body fabrications. Brown's Body Shop has been successful for more than 50 years because of their highly trained personnel, competitive prices, superior customer care, and timely service. Don't put off body repairs or that custom paint job at Fenders. Go to Brown's Body Shop today, 1505 Nashville Highway in Columbia, or 129 Alpha Drive in Franklin. For 40 years, the Jewelers Bench has worked hard for their customers and provided the highest quality jewelry at the best price. They keep going back. Recent renovations have allowed them to expand their inventory. More high quality jewelry, custom vintage and estate pieces, and professional jewelry and watch repairs. They also buy gold. The Jewelers Bench, still here, still great service. 808 Trotwood Avenue, Columbia. Looking for convenience? Try Quickmark Convenience Stores, conveniently located all across Murray County, Southern Middle Tennessee, and North Alabama. Whether stopping in on your way to work for coffee and a biscuit, taking a plate lunch to go, or grabbing something cold to drink after a long hot day at work, there's always one nearby. 
Quick Bar Convenience Stores, conveniently located all across Southern Middle Tennessee and North Alabama. Proudly serving Shell Gasoline. Hello, this is John McEwen with McEwen Group Real Estate, located at 17A Public Square in beautiful downtown Columbia. Our family has over 40 years experience selling farms, residential, recreational, and all types of real estate here in Middle Tennessee. Check us out online at McEwenGroup.com or on Facebook and Instagram at McEwen Group, or give me a call today at 931-628-1749. McEwen Group, land is your legacy. Farmer Johnny here, Taylor Family Farm. I'm going to give you all a little look-see. We raise 100% non-GMO, grass-fed beef, pasture chicken, and pork on our family farm. Everything that we grow is raised with love and care to ensure the highest quality and nutrition for our family and customers. You can shop online at taylorfamilyfarmtn.com or visit our farm store in person at Etheridge, Tennessee at 301 Dave Reisner Road. That's taylorfamilyfarmtn.com for more information. Scalpel. Scalpel. Tweezers. Tweezers. Ham sandwich. Ham what? Sandwich. I was going to eat lunch when I got my oil changed earlier, but take five is so fast I didn't have time. But sir, you can't eat during surgery. Eh, one bite won't hurt. Whoops. Uh, Napkin. Napkin! At take five, your oil change is faster than you think. Take five, the stay-in-your-car 10-minute oil change. This is T. Willie. I'm once again talking with Miles Johnson. How are you doing today, and what great sales do you got at Foodland this week? Oh, well, I'm doing great. This week, we have a normal week-long sale. Our week-long sale includes ground beef for $3.49 a pound, seedless grapes, $2.19 a pound, sweet potatoes, $0.99 cents a pound, Milo's Gallon Tea, 3 for 10 and Coca-Cola 6-pack, uh, 3 for 10 Thanks, Miles. That's amazing. Again, people need to check that out. And you're located right there at 427 West 7th Street, the big shopping center with plenty of parking right there by the post office. It's easy to get in and out of. Uh, you got some a very friendly staff working there, and we really appreciate I know I come in there from time to time as well. The store is stocked very well. Uh, the people are very friendly, and they'll help you find whatever you need. Miles, thank you as always. I appreciate you and your staff, and uh, we look forward to talking to you next week as well. All righty. Thank you. Thank you, Miles. This is Clayton Harris, and you're listening to 101.7 WKOM Columbia. Tony Basilio welcoming you to it is, ladies and germs, your Tuesday edition, often imitated, never duplicated. You no doubt. We'll try at some point the rest, but right now you're hanging out with the best. Matt Dixon's in the house. Kevin Skarbinski going to join in a mere matter of moments. The stat to park on right now as we get ready for this one, we sort of set the narrative, and it played out last week. The, The narrative here is that Alabama is a football team teetering. They are leaking oil last couple games. They are, dare I say, living on borrowed time as a contender. Does Tennessee have enough to go and get those guys? 
do they have enough to go and get these guys? And at the end of the day, that's really the question here. That's really the question. Kevin Skarbinski going to join us uh, of KevinSkarbinski.com, who is making it happen. And uh, he'll join us here in a mere matter of moments. Here's where we're going to park today. i got to ask K-Scar about this because I, I just can't, I can't get over it. It's Nick Saban football team. We were talking yesterday about the end from Arkansas who shared co-player of the week honors with Pierce, and you thought to yourself, my gosh, how, how could somebody have had a week that would have, oh, you know, put them on par to be juxtaposed with Pierce, who was lights out for the Vols? Well, this guy had five sacks. Four sacks, five sacks, whatever the number is. Arkansas. They turned this dude into a household name. Matt Dixon, I'll start here. Alabama is one. There's 133 teams. Okay? Brian Hartman, that play college football. We all agree on that. You got your Tuesday night games, your Wednesday night games, your Thursday night games, your Friday night games. So there's 133 of those teams filling out the dance card. Brian, what number is Alabama in sacks allowed in the country out of 133 teams? What do you think the number is? I'm going to tell you this. It's horrendous. They're... Take They're a guess. in about uh, Take a guess. 70, 75. 75? All right. Yeah. Hey, Matt, what's what do you think the number is? 75? That's good. good guess. Well, I, well, I already I – I, I look all this stuff up each week. They're, they're 129th in sex allowed per game. Now, Matt, how is that possible? Which we're going to ask Kevin Skarbinski. Obviously, they've played some pretty good – Pretty good defense. It's a pretty good material, right? Yeah, yeah. They have a really big offensive line. I think they have like two or three guys that are like over 350 pounds, which would mean they should be better run blockers than pass protection. Um, Cole Kublick's kind of talked about this, if you want to find some of his stuff online, about their tackles just don't have really good fundamentals, um, especially on the edge, and they can just get beat like by by guys, and that's really kind of happened all season. And they, you know, Milrose still, you know, I mean, he kind of is who he is. They take a lot of deep shots, which take time to develop. So I think there's some ball holding in that too. But um, no, their their offensive line is is nowhere near as good as what they they kind of expected or at least hoped it would be. And their run game's not great either. I mean, they, they don't even average four yards. A, I think they're like 96th in yards per carry this year, and that's with a running quarterback. I guess, granted, sacks do kind of count against that some. So, But, no, they're just kind of a middling offense. What's weird about them is they're what we thought we would be this year. 
a running game every once in a while that can make a play. And, <laughs> I mean, this is the thing that's really nutty about it. You, you stop for a second. You go, okay. A running game that can really play, right, uh, every once in a while. But a team that's going to make big plays down the field. That's how they're winning. They're big playing people. Was that on your Cinco card, uh, Matt, coming into the season, that that would be Alabama's team? Their quarterback has almost, and you said this in a, in a text to me the other, yesterday, their quarterback's almost become the guy we wanted Milton to become so far this season. Yeah, I think they I think they have 28 passes of over 20 yards and I think it's 10 passes of over 40 yards which I want to say is the fifth most in the country. They're they're basically a chuck it up in deep offense. Um get in bad down in distances. I think their first touchdown against Arkansas, they were down 6 nothing in the second quarter, had taken a sack, had a third and 15 and had a guy running wide open for like an 80-yard touchdown pass. Like that's basically been their offense all season. And you know we get you know talk about the borrowed time deal and and all. I mean that that's a nine and three team. Yep. Um, that's probably ten and two with the, the way the SEC is this year, and they have a chance to go eleven and one because they just have kind of found ways to win games, or maybe not necessarily found ways to win games, but Ole Miss and Texas A and M just found ways to lose games to them. Hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what they are. They're a nine and three team working on an eleven to one season, and that's kind of gross. Because Nick Saban needs to lose three games just to show everybody that hey, you know, um, just to show because they 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 don't. I mean, what are they great at? They're I think, okay defensively. Uh, They're okay defensively. They're not great defensively. Go ahead, Brian. I think they've only lost three games in Saban's tenure twice. I think it was 08, no, 07, and 2010, and that was it. Wow. It's gross, man. If if you put Tennessee's defensive numbers uh, right up next to Alabama's, they're almost identical in a lot of areas. You can't distinguish a difference between the two. Not not saying Tennessee's defense is better than theirs, but Tennessee's defense is pretty damn good, and they're very comparable this year for really the first time in I can I can remember really since Saban's got there. Yeah, I, I just say this: this game does not feel like the one and a half score game that it's been scored at in the power ratings. It just doesn't feel that way. Now it may play out that way. But these guys have trouble protecting their passer. And somewhere in there, 10 passes over 40 yards, Matt said. And what was the other number you gave me? The, the other one was uh, how many passes over? Uh, tw- 28 passes, uh, completions of over 20 yards. Wow. Which is, I think, 24th most in the country. And, and by comparison, Tennessee has just 11 of those. 28 passes, huh? See, that, that's... And, that, and, yeah. and you have to remember, that, that USF game, you can basically throw it out because that game doesn't even count when you're talking about yeah. their offense with, with Milrow. 
Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, they went off Melrose for um, um, for one week. You know, they actually got his attention. You know? Which I want to ask Kevin about. Because Melrose, since that, Matt has played very well. Now, he obviously got dinged up in that Mississippi game. He hasn't been running since. In fact, he hasn't been running at all since. Not at all. Which, not, not QB designed runs, no. Uh-uh. He's, I mean, he's had to scramble, um, but he's, you know, trying to avoid contact, which, yep. I mean, we saw their quarterback play. I mean, if he goes down, that goes from a 9-3 and three to a 7-5 and five type team. So, like, he has to stay healthy, obviously, and or be, stay healthy enough to be their quarterback. So, they have to protect him a lot. So, um, it kind of limits them. Uh, it already it limits an already limited offense. Is he a better thrower of the football than Milton, Matt? In your humble opinion, I I think you have to say yes. I mean, even though he's got wasn't on my some answer. severe some severe limitations, I I think the answer is yes to that. That just was not. I can't imagine him not having. A better feel for the game and kind of understanding, well, I can't you know, the situations. I mean, he has to do better than that than Milton. I can't imagine anybody not having a better feel for the game. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, there's no, there's no way Saban would put Joe Milton no, on the field. Gosh, no. Some, some guy who was, and you get this when you have a starting and quarterback. But we thought the exact opposite in preseason we thought that that bama wants oh i thought this guy i thought the guy bama had playing quarterback was like a wild stallion (laughs) run around guy i mean you don't think Jaden daniels can play and he'd be a heisman finalist right now well no i didn't i didn't say he couldn't play i just think he's a i think a guy like that will get you beat and he already has gotten a beat so so there, well, their big boy. Their defense, well, their defense isn't very good either. I can't imagine seeing that him go up against that defense in practice. Oh my gosh! I mean, do you think that even <laughs> feels like practice for him? <laughs> no. It's like scout team every, every every day. Which which leads me to this: I wonder what Joe Milton looks like in practice. Surely Tennessee's coaches had to know this was coming, right? Because these guys are great at snowing you. Heupel's a great snow job guy. He just does. Right. He does it with the injuries every week. They, they had to. They looked, at Hook, they looked at Hinton Hooker in spring practice and thought he was better than Hooker. Yeah, they're just in love with the, I'm in love with you, girl. I'm in love with you, girl. They, I, just I, I just love think Milton's one of these guys that performs really well in practice because it's kind of a controlled environment. Um, he's in a non-contact jersey. He knows he's not going to be hit, so that helps him with fundamentals. And, and he just looks a whole lot better in practice and makes all those throws, whereas a guy like Kendon Hooker and Josh Dobbs was probably the best example of this, is just kind of one of those gamer guys that that does a lot of stuff kind of instinctively on the fly that that a quarterback isn't really allowed to do in practice because you know plays are going dead feeling but, feeling I mean, games, they, they, yeah. do, they know what they have in milton but I, I do think that he's not performed up to their standards but 
I also think he's just a lot better in practice than he is in games. Feeling games is, um, as we know, like you look at this right kid right now, Tennessee's running back, and the more seat time he gets, the better his feel is getting. And Milton, no offense to him, it's the exact opposite. The more he's playing, the worse the dude is looking. It is so strange. Maybe he does it on the road this week. Maybe they can work around him. I, I don't know. I know one thing. This Alabama team is absolutely gettable this weekend. They are completely get Now, whether we're the team to get them, I don't know. But I'm going to tell you something. That is not your papa's Alabama team right there. That is a lot closer to the two Alabama teams Saban's had that lost three regular season games than it is anything else. Now, can we do it? We'll talk with Kevin Skarbinski on the other side. KevinSkarbinski.com. He's, he's very good. We'll, uh, we'll connect with him right after this. This is Terry Wilcox, a.k.a. The Chicken Man, a.k.a. T-Willie, and you're listening to 101.7 FM, WKOM, Columbia, Tennessee. Alert, alert! Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram has a huge announcement. We're expanding our service center to get you in and out quicker than ever. That's right, five new service bays to get your vehicle back on the road. Don't drive a Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, or Ram. It doesn't matter. Our certified technicians are trained to work on all makes or models. More service, less time. Only at Columbia Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram. Family owned and operated. You can count on us. This is Dr. Dominic Mancini from the Dr. Gill Center. If your car was damaged in an auto accident, chances are you'd fix the car. Why wouldn't you give that same attention to yourself? Untreated whiplash injuries of the spinal column may lead to conditions such as headaches, numbness in the arms, neck and back pain. The doctors at the Dr. Gill Center specialize in detecting and treating such injuries from an auto accident. Accident consultations are free. Call me painfree.com or call 615-551-9224. In today's uncertain world, you can never be too careful about your family's financial future. That's why the Parker Group, a part of Barrett's Private Wealth Management, is offering a free second opinion on your financial plans. Let us review your current plan, and we will identify any gaps and offer suggestions to improve it. Please call the Parker Group at 931-548-3737. That's 931-548-3737. Robert W. Barrett and Company Incorporated does not offer tax or legal advice. Hi, Jimmy here for Columbia Ace Hardware. Columbia Ace Hardware now carries Magnolia Home by Joanna Gaines Paint. Now their premium quality and huge selection of colors will be right in your neighborhood. Along with the award-winning service and advice, Columbia Ace has always provided for your paint projects. Around the block, what you need in stock, with people who know their paint. Columbia Ace, the helpful place. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. Hey, this is Derek Ransom with Ten Pin Alley, voted number one family entertainment center in Murray County. We offer 32 bowling lanes, giant arcade, laser tag, bumper cars, and a full cafe and bar menu. We also specialize in group events, kids and adult birthday parties, company parties, sports team parties, and holiday parties. We're located at 322 East James Campbell Boulevard in Columbia. Call us today at 931-381-BOWL or visit us at 10pin.com. Ten Pin Alley, it's where the good times roll. 
Do you have trees that need trimming or removed? Do you have stumps that you want ground? A1 Tree Removal is a family-owned and operated business local to Columbia and Lewisburg and servicing surrounding Middle Tennessee. They are licensed and insured and provide free estimates. No job is too big. No tree is too small. Give old Luke a call or text Luke at 931-359-3113. Or you can check them out on Facebook and tell A1 Tree Removal that you heard this ad on the radio. If you love America, you will love A1 Tree Removal. Hi, Terry Tillis from Tillis Jewelry. When you think of diamonds, what do you think of? Rare, precious, timeless sparkles like the sun. They are timeless and nothing like them on earth. Then do you think, where do I buy local to buy the perfect ring? Maybe a diamond pendant or earrings or maybe a new diamond band. Look no further. Tillis Jewelry carries all your diamond and jewelry needs. Stop by and see our wonderful collection. And remember, if you don't know your diamonds, know your jeweler. Tillis Jewelry, downtown Columbia. The generations that have paved the way for us deserve respect, integrity, and compassion. This is Kelly Dobson, owner of Caring Hearts Home Healthcare. My grandmother and mother started this business in 2005, and I was honored to take over in 2012. Licensed and insured, we help our aging community stay in the comfort of their own homes. Online at caringheartshomehealthcarellc.com, by phone 931-381-5470, or in person at 1121 Trawood Avenue here in Columbia. That's Caring Hearts Home Healthcare. Hey gang, Carl Wayne Meekins here. I want you guys to come out and see us live on Veterans Day, 11 11 23, 7 p.m. Guitar and Cadillac Hall that sits right on top of Puckett's in Columbia, Tennessee. Got a huge lineup for you. We've got Troy Kemp, Katrina Burgoyne, myself and my band, and then the legend Jimmy Wayne's gonna come in for a few songs. Gonna be a big night in Columbia, and Columbia ain't gonna be the same. Okay, so get your tickets at eventbrite.com, the Guitar and Cadillacs, Carl Wayne Meekins. We'll see you there. Jim Ross, and you are listening to Front Porch Radio, WKOM 101.7, located in Columbia, Tennessee. Back with you, one of the OGs in the media, Kevin Skarbinski. has been at it a long, long time, kind of like I have. And, uh, you know, you, you got to respect people that get out there, get on the grind. I encourage you to check out his website. KevinScarbinski.com. Also, he freelances around, so you still read his stuff, hear him, see him, etc. And he's kind enough to give us a few minutes on your TLD Logistics hotline, online, TLDLogistics.com. Kevin, good day to you. Another one of these classic matchups. And, uh, boy, I hope the SEC doesn't go to the 1-7, Kev, and, and, and we don't see this game annually. That would really hurt my heart, man. I think... I think it would hurt the hearts of a lot of people, Tony, and, and good to be with you again, uh, first of all. But I, I, that that has everyone scratching their heads, that, that that is even a discussion point at this point, that they would consider that. You know, it, progress is inevitable, but you, you don't want to lose your roots. You don't want to forget why you became popular in the first place, why you became the monster that the SEC has become, and it's and it's rivalries. It's it's Alabama, Tennessee. It's Auburn, Georgia. It's et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, you can name so many of them. And the more that you get away from that, the more you lose who you really are. So that I, I really hope that the, there's been and it's been heartening to see the backlash against that suggestion that they might go one seven. Uh, you know, may, maybe cooler heads will prevail. I don't know. 
we'll see. But uh, that would be, to me, that would be a monumental mistake, and I think a lot of people feel the same way. These games are always interesting when these two teams get together. Um, obviously, Vegas sees this thing at least to off the jump here to incur action going both ways as a one-and-a-half score game. Kevin, there are so many reasons for Tennessee fans to feel hopeful because Alabama truly, the last several weeks, has been playing with fire. You and I were talking about this off the air. And, and, and let's start there. Um, what is your thoughts on, on the way the Tide right now are just playing with fire? Yeah, it, it's a different Nick Saban team. You know, even going into the season, we're, we're so used to guys establishing themselves as stars fairly early, and and then they would come back, and you knew who the you knew who the big names were at wide receiver, at running back, certainly at the skill positions, but also you know the interior line, et cetera, et cetera. But that wasn't the case this year, and and they're still to a, some degree trying to figure out who. You know, who are the playmakers? Who are the guys that will step up in big moments? Trey Burton had a, a big game at Texas A&M, which they absolutely needed on the outside. They haven't been great at wide receiver, and particularly in comparison to the guys that they've – the parade of guys they've sent to the NFL at that position. Uh, running backs are good, but there's no there's no Derrick Henry back there. There's no Najee Harris back there. Those guys are, are very good, but they're all about the same. And, and the offensive line, I'll be polite and call it a work in progress, especially at the left tackle position. Uh, they, they haven't figured that out yet. They made that edge rusher from Arkansas look like Derek Thomas on Saturday. Uh, and then Jalen Milrow, he has improved, though. He is, he's definitely gotten better as the season has gone on, but he is not a finished product. He's, he's used that phrase himself in recent weeks. Uh, he still has a lot of room to grow. He has, he has potential. He's a big playmaker, but uh, as we were saying earlier, as you said off the air, the fact that Alabama is one of the worst teams in the country in giving up sacks, you, you don't expect to see that out of a Nick Saban team, and that is a problem they have not solved, and it is a, a problem that's been contributed to by various positions, the offensive line, the backs not picking up protections, uh, the receivers not gaining, uh, you know, running free in space, and then Milrow holding on to the ball too long at times, waiting to try to make a play. So, you know, it's it's not one thing. And so, and that's why you see Alabama struggle against Arkansas, why it took uh, a long time against A&M to separate there. They had to come from behind against A&M. Ole Miss, same thing. They'd been until, the weird thing is they'd been a second-half team uh, until last week against Arkansas. Midway through the third quarter, they were cruising, and then, it's like they shut it down, and Arkansas didn't, and next thing you know, it's a one-score game. So I, I, I don't know what – this is the most uncertain Nick Saban team. You don't know what to expect from week to week, and as a neutral observer, it's kind of fun. It, it's kind of fun to, to, to not know what Alabama is going to do each week that the, and to know that the game is not decided before kickoff based on the talent level alone. Yeah, it, it... – I tell you, this Tennessee game is really for that reason because both teams sort of fit that mold. Tennessee, we thought, you know, coming into the year, plug and play, Josh Heupel. You know, everybody's going to just go long, and we're going to have these. And here, Tennessee's become this power football team with a power defense that gets after people in a power way. And I, I just can't remember 
Alabama doing what they did over the weekend with Arkansas and just letting a defense free wheel on them, scoring three points in the second half, and just holding on for dear life. I mean, that just was not against a two-win football team. But let me bring Matt Dixon in here. Kevin Skarbinski joining us. I encourage you to check him out. Check out his website. Hey, Matt, jump in here with Kevin Skarbinski. Go ahead. Yeah, but just on, on the offensive struggles, you know, that the lack of playmakers' skill positions, kind of knew that going in. Milrow, a work in progress. But the offensive line, just not being able to depend on them. I, what's the issues up front with them? Because, I mean, they have the talented guys, but, I mean, the, the pass protection numbers are bad. You know, they're not a great running team. Like, just Is there a common theme throughout the season of, of why the offensive line has struggled so much? Well, it's, you know, you look at them across the board and their size, the thing that stands out is their size. You know, three guys that are 350 plus, uh, Cole Kubelik, the, you know, former Auburn center, now, uh, ESPN analyst has said he, he did, he asked as many people as he could think of in the business and no one could recall a college offensive line with three guys that weighed north of 350 pounds. And while that sounds like a recipe for a team that would would mash you, uh, the way Alabama played early in Saban's tenure, the, you know, the joyless murder ball approach where they would just pound you and pound you and, yeah. and make make you say uncle by the fourth quarter, well, that hasn't materialized in, in part because these guys don't move as well. And this, this really shows up more in pass protection, though. They don't move as well. And the left tackle position has been a has been an adventure to say the least. They've rotated two guys there, Caden Proctor, big time freshman, who they they believe is the future there, is just not quite up to speed yet. And so they've had to rotate at that spot and and it's just it it's been an adventure. It's just they don't have and and, and again you it's not one thing. It's usually never one just one thing. And you don't have the the big time back, and again, these guys are good. McClellan and you know uh, those guys are good. They've got three or four guys that can play there and can make plays. But again, Alabama's used to having the best of the best across the board. You know, again, a Najee Harris, a Derrick Henry in the backfield, um, Devontae Smith on the outside, Jalen Waddle, uh, Jerry Judy. You go on and on and on. Then the offensive line as well. You could do the same thing. They just don't have that yet. And, and it's not that they haven't recruited at the same level. It makes you wonder about their evaluation process. Are they, are they identifying the right guys as well? Certainly according to the recruiting numbers they are, but the performance has not been there as of yet. And that's why they, they play close game after close game. Uh, that's not something you used to seeing from Alabama, but that didn't just start this year. That's been something that's going on. Really, that 2020 team was dominant, but this is the third straight year now that Alabama has just has come back to the pack a little bit, as other schools like Tennessee have stepped up. Well, and it's a really great point. I mean, look, people say, well, you know, Georgia's not what they were. No kidding. I mean, the, the, the Philadelphia Eagles have one of the great teams in the NFL because they've decided that to plug in three guys off their defense who are – excellent players at the nfl level when you lose that many players you consistently lose that many players you're going to have tweener years that that tackle situation you were talking about you know 
talking with a coaching friend of mine. We were laughing over the weekend, and uh, for some reason, these coaches do not want to max protect and admit that they have issues. Um, is there any chance that Alabama does that as we get deeper into the season? I mean, Saban basically is in the process, which is like I think it's performing a miracle because he's going to take a nine and three team. And go eleven and one with them if the rest of the SEC isn't careful here, because that when you start telling me that you're one twenty nine and one thirty at one hundred thirty three teams and sacks surrendered, that's the stuff that nine and three, eight and four teams are made of, Kevin. But but are they going to help him? Are they going to do they do any of that? Do they do any of the max protect stuff? Have they done that? Well, somewhat they have, but obviously they've got to make changes. You can't change your personnel at this point. And he, he made, Nick Saban yesterday at his weekly press conference gave a, a really detailed explanation why they won't move J.C. Latham, the right tackle, who's very good at his position. They won't move him to left tackle because then you're creating uncertainty at two positions because he right tackle and left tackle are not the same. It's not just a mirror image of the other tackle spot. So there's, there's growth in education that has to go on there. So you're taking a guy that's, that's very good at his position and you're, you're, he's has to learn a new position. Then you've got to break somebody else in at the right tackle. So, so he's not going to do that. At least that's was what he said yesterday. So, they, but they've got to do some different things. They obviously what they're doing now is not working on a consistent basis. And and you made a good point just a moment ago, Tony, about you know, I, let's be honest, Alabama has been spoiled. The the level of excellence that they've achieved over time, over the length of time that they've sustained it, is unprecedented. Uh, you know, for them to to win as many games as they've won, be number one every year at some point in the season since 2008, which is very much in jeopardy, obviously, this year, uh, is just, it's astounding. So then you c- combine the, the turnover in players and the guys that now routinely after three years turn pro, the turnover in the coaching staff. I don't know that that's gotten enough play or discussion because, you know, they're all, you know, you look at the guys that have been on that staff and how many of them are now head coaches in the SEC across college football. You're losing a lot of brain power. You're losing a lot of uh, experience and familiarity with that system. And you see him bringing Kevin Steele back. They really wanted to bring uh, Jeremy Pruitt back as defensive coordinator. Uh, other circumstances prevented that from happening, as you guys well know the details. Uh, but he brought Kevin Steele back. He wanted some familiarity there. But then he went young and fresh with Tommy Reese as the offensive coordinator. So they just had to break in. He's had to continually break in new guys on his staff and teach them the Saban way, the Alabama way. And and that's that's something that takes time away from from other pursuits like identifying the right recruits and, uh, and and other things that have just made that, that program a plug-and-play program for so long. Uh, you talked about um, Steele, which is kind of, or, or the young offensive coordinator, rather, um, Reese, who was kind of a head-scratching hire because uh, he wasn't really distinguishable at Notre Dame. I mean, they were okay, you know, but many people kind of thought, geez, what are we doing here? Um how has he been received? Uh, our fan base is getting a little impatient with our young offensive coordinator. Our guys now uh, from last year, last couple of years, Golish, 
Yeah. You saw him earlier. He's doing a pretty nice job uh, down there at South Florida in an almost impossible situation. I think he'll get players. I think he'll be fine there. He's got a very good reputation. Reese is a lot like this coordinator that Tennessee has brought in here, Hawsley, in that everybody's looking for somebody to blame, and sometimes you just don't have the horses. Sometimes you just don't have enough, which I think is what's going on with Tennessee's offense. But what about Reese? How has he been? Uh, what do you think the relationship's like there with him and Saban and then also the fan base and, and Reese? I think that it's it's been up and down. I think generally Nick Saban, when he's talked about it, has sounded pleased with Tommy Reese, with his development. You know, it's not just about Reese developing Jalen Milrow and the offense, but it's about Tommy Reese developing as a play caller, as as someone who understands what Alabama wants to do, how you play to your defense, and that's an area where Alabama has gotten stronger and stronger the second half uh, against Arkansas notwithstanding. Uh, their defense has improved uh, throughout the season. And and while they don't necessarily – they do have some big names, obviously, with Dallas Turner and Kool-Aid McKinstry at corner – but uh, that's been a more of a no-name bunch, and just they come at you in waves. The linebackers, the the edge rushers, they've got so many guys that, that just make plays. They've gotten better and better. So Tommy Reese says, you know, you've got to learn to coach to that, and that's something that Nick Saban's talked about before. You know, you're not. He's never been the guru. He's never been a fan of gurus in, in terms of offensive coordinators. He's had big names, obviously, Lane Kiffin, Steve Sarkeesian, stand out in that group, but he's, he's been more of a, you know, a Jim, Ma- nobody ever heard of Jim McElwain before he got to Tuscaloosa for the 2008 season, saving second there. And he lasted as long and won as many national championships as any offensive coordinator under Saban. So that, that's really Saban's preference. And Tommy Reese kind of fits that mold. If he can, if Saban can mold him into the kind of OC that he wants, but it's just, it's a difficult combination of new OC new quarterback, so many guys having to step up at positions that hadn't been stars before, whether it's wide receiver, running back, offensive line. It's a lot of new for Alabama, more new than they're used to seeing. And, and again, that's why I think you see the inconsistency. And that is exactly all politics are local, what's going on here in Knoxville. Everything's new all at once. And when it's a new all at once, it either works. Sometimes it can look really ugly. And hideous as it has here. But Brian Hartman's got a question for you because Tennessee's very good on the ground. Go ahead, Brian. Yeah, Tennessee rushed for over 200 yards against Texas A&M, who's got a very good rush defense. Can Tennessee maybe not duplicate, but can they have success against Alabama rushing the football on Saturday? Well, that that's, that stood out to me. I didn't, I didn't get to watch much of that game, but when I saw those numbers and having watched Alabama and A&M just before that and knowing that Alabama had all kinds of problems running the ball against A&M, that, that opened my eyes a little bit. Uh, Alabama's generally been good uh, against, the, against the run, uh, not, not, not dominant, not the way they have been in the past where you just simply could not run the ball on them. But uh, I, I think that's going to be – really tell the story of the game Saturday. Which team can move the ball some to some degree on the ground, maybe not, you know, for 200 plus, but if you can go for, you know, 140, 150, 
and open up some things in the passing game because we know both quarterbacks are capable of doing damage, especially with the deep ball. That, that's been Jalen Miller. All, Alabama's offense has been so it, – it's almost like a – it's like a major league baseball team. They either hit a home run or, or strike out. You know, they're so good on the deep ball. And that's been Jalen Milrose, his accuracy on the deep ball has been superb, uh, but not, not as much on the underneath stuff. So which, which offense can move the ball on the ground and again, create a little bit of breathing room for their quarterback to make some plays in the passing game? I, I still think though, this is going to be the, this is going to be the polar opposite of last year. This, if this thing ends up 52 to 49, none of us knows anything about about football anymore, uh, based on what we've seen to this point <laughs> in the season. I think we're. I'm yeah, not we're saying it's going to be nine to six or six to three, and we've seen games like that in this series. Those of us who have a little, who are a little older uh, and have a little more experience, but uh, I think it's going to be more towards that end of the spectrum than it would be what we saw the fireworks we saw last year in Knoxville. I'll tell you what's funny, Kevin. Josh Heupel came to his post game press conference the other day. And look, guys like him, you were talking about his offensive guru types, they don't sign up, okay, to getting games that are played in the teens or the 20s. I mean, they sign up to get to wake up in the morning, uh, all off season, draw their plays, put their stuff in, go out, score 50 points on people like you saw last year. And you almost get the sense that he has to recalibrate on the fly Yesterday, Brent Hubbs in this market asked him an interesting question, which is, now that you're kind of coming to grips with what this team is, which is to say a team that's going to do it on the ground, a team that's going to be very spotty in the passing game, and is not going to score a lot of points, are you going to be more inclined, and should you have been more inclined to kick field goals in your game on Saturday? And, you know... I almost get the sense that these young guys, like Heupel, kicking a field goal is almost an admission of defeat to them. (laughs) It's a great way to put it. And and in our day, kicking a field goal was getting three points. It was taking your points. And I'll be interested to see how Tennessee approaches that on the road uh, Saturday because, and I, I think that's just something to watch. Um, Matt, let me bring you in here on that discussion with Kev because do, do you think, Matt, that Tennessee takes the points and that we see him start to coach this team as the team he has in front of him? Or with the um, big play capability Alabama has, they're going to feel the need to try and keep up? What do you th- how do you think, Matt, that he approaches this thing Saturday? I, I think when they have a chance to kick field goals, I, th- I think they will for the most part. Because you have to remember, they, they missed their first field goal Saturday, and I think that probably played into being aggressive there the, the next time they had the, the fourth down. But, no, I, I think you got to play. you got to take points, especially when you don't trust your quarterback. Um, and, and you've had some struggles on the third and fourth and shorts all year. Oh, my God. And that, and that, al- that also means, you know, you know, Tennessee caught a lot of third down draws and, and you know picked up some first downs, but you know, you, get, you can play field position again. I mean, this is this will probably be the most enjoyable Tennessee Alabama game that Philip Fulmer's watched in like twenty years. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and Johnny Majors would have absolutely loved a couple of sequences over the weekend because they literally set up things 
with their punt game and then got the second touchdown of the game off a punt return from the one uh, after stopping a team in the shadow of their goal line, which is as old school as it gets. Kevin, which leads me to this. You know, on the road, it's just a different animal in this league for whatever reason. And on the road, it seems like you have to have quarterback play if you're going to win road games. That poor A&M bunch, their reputation down through the years, and Jimbo's done nothing but exacerbate the reputation, is that anything they will do or can do to lose a game, a big game, whether it's in their building or on the road, they're going to do. That's a very cooperative bunch. Alabama obviously isn't. Um, How difficult will it be, do you feel like, for Joe Milton to make plays against that defense on Saturday? Uh, It's going to be a challenge because they have gotten better and better as the season's gone on. They do bring serious pressure off the edges. Dallas Turner uh, is is the main man there, but they've got a number of guys that, that can get to the quarterback. The defensive line gets good push on passing downs, but they also stand up uh, pretty pretty well against the run game. So it's they're, they're good at all three levels on defense. And, and they are, they are uh, an opportunistic bunch. They'll create turnovers. They'll, they'll you know, jump in front of a receiver, intercept the pass. Uh, their, their safety, Caleb Downs, a true freshman, has been really good. He's, he's a, a ball hawk. He has a good nose for good sense of where the ball's going. He knows how to jump routes. And so it's, it's dangerous. If you throw the ball into traffic against Alabama, you're – you're playing with fire a little bit, and you have to do that at times because they generally cover fairly well in man-to-man. Terry and Arnold at the cornerback spot opposite Kool-Aid has really grown. He's a guy the player Nick Saban loves because Saban can crawl him in front of 100,000 people. He doesn't blink. He doesn't shrink. He, he listens and learns and has gotten better and better. So they can put those corners out. That's one thing they feel confident in. They couldn't do it last year against Tennessee as Jalen Hyatt. Jalen Hyatt. Oh, man. They could not do that last year. They couldn't put, they put their corners on islands and Tennessee does a great job of scheming, uh, to get those one-on-one matchups and, and Alabama couldn't handle it last year. Alabama is much better equipped to handle those one-on-ones and, and Tennessee, as you said, doesn't have the game breakers on the outside necessarily they had last year. So, so that means Joe Milton's going to be under duress. And Joe Milton under duress, as we've seen, has not been, he's not been great. Let's, uh, to be polite. So that's going to be really important that Tennessee is able to establish something of a running game. So Alabama cannot sit, uh, you know, cannot bring that pressure. You don't, you don't face a lot of second and third and longs, uh, cause that's where Alabama's defense thrives. And then they won't just stop you. They'll turn you over. And again, that momentum, that home crowd, this game means a little bit more to Alabama people than your typical SEC game. And so you know they're going to be there loud, uh, obnoxious, uh, ready to go, you know, and lifting up that team. So it, it's, it's a tall order for Tennessee to come in there and win. Not, but it's possible. I mean, yes. if Arkansas can take Alabama to a, a one-score game in the fourth quarter, then Tennessee certain, certainly has the personnel to do it. That's, but can they do it? I mean, Ole Miss couldn't do it. They shrank under that pressure. Uh, and I, I love your point about offensive gurus who become head coaches and having to learn to accept 
that it's okay to win a game 17 to 14. Nick Saban, in reverse, had to make that had to make that adjustment. And I go back to the 2014 Iron yes. Bowl, the first year with Lane Kiffin as offensive yep. coordinator, 55 to 44. Yep. I mean, Dick Marshall threw for 400 something yards for Auburn. They had over 600 yards of offense against Alabama, but the game really wasn't close at the end because Amari Cooper had a career day and Blake Sims went nuts. And even though he threw three interceptions that day, and Saban came close to benching him, but he stood by him and it worked out. But Nick Saban had to become comfortable with winning shootouts, and he did. And Alabama won several national championships when he made that adjustment. So that's the kind of thing that as you mature as a head coach, and Josh Heupel is still relatively young in that regard, yeah. that's how you become elite. Well, I think you realize yeah. it's all about winning. It's not about how you win. That's right. It's about, the, it's about winning at the, at the end. He had a great comment. He said, look, he said, do I, do I like my – sure, we like offense here. He said, I'll tell you this right now. I love the feeling of being in one of these games and winning it after the game. And he said, "I will. we're not apologizing, not even a little bit, because I feel great that our team did what they did, which reminds me of this. You know, the historians know that Bear Bryant came back from the left coast and said, hey, I just saw the future, and we better get in it. And the great coaches are malleable in all these sports. They will not stay married to something. If you want to stay on the beam – and and have one of these big jobs for a long time, Kevin, you better be willing to change or adapt to the personnel uh, that you have. And, uh, and and I think that's a great sign that Tennessee's showing that they're able to win these, you know, like an ugly football game over the weekend, which I think is kind of beautiful, somebody in my 50s. Yes. I, th- I think as you, yeah, I think as you age, and I'm the same way, you you appreciate that, hey, first of all, it's hard to win. Yes. It's hard to win game football games in the SEC. And it's even harder to win them on the road. Well, and so, yeah, you'd like to earn style points. You'd like to run up offensive numbers. You'd like to look pretty in the passing game. But sometimes that's just not going to happen. And the other team, because the other team's not going to let it happen. So do you have the stuff within you to gut out a three-point win uh, in the fourth quarter, and not a 52 to 49 three-point win, but a, again a 17 to 14 game, a uh, 20 to 17 game, 24-21 with Alabama Arkansas. You know, a game like that, and I, I, I just gotta have a feeling that's what we're going to see that type of game on Saturday. Tennessee has a couple guys. Uh, obviously, our tackle we're monitoring in terms of he plays or not. He got dinged up last week in practice. Tried to go in the game. A body wouldn't cooperate, and they're saying he's going to play. But Heupel's one of these guys that plays poker 24-7 with the press. What about Alabama and injury concerns coming into this one? Where are they? Yeah, I think for this point in the season, I think they're fairly healthy. You know, they, they are, they'll get their week off, their bye week next week before they play LSU. So they've had, they've had different guys dinged up. And, and again, it's hard. You know, it's easier to get information sometimes out of the Kremlin than no it is out of the out of the Alabama football building. Yep. So you know, there was a, there was a rumor before A and M that Milrow had a had a serious hamstring injury and wasn't going to play. Uh, Nick Saban shot it down. Of course, he did play, and and they've been they've been judicious about running him. He is an elite runner of the football mm-hmm. quarterback. He's as fast as anybody or faster than anybody on the field. 
and he's also got a toughness about him and a strength to him that he does not go down easily. So, you know, but they they've picked their spots, and I think there there was you heard some howling from the fan base earlier in the season. Why doesn't why isn't Tommy Reese running Jalen Milrow more? Well, if you saw the South Florida game and you saw mm. uh, you saw the other quarterbacks, including the Notre Dame transfer, and, and and how they just were not ready for the moment, I think that helps you understand a little more why they're not they're not more aggressive with Jalen Milrow in the running game, even though that is a weapon. And when when the pocket breaks down and he escapes. I mean, he's a guy that can take it the distance. He did it last year at Arkansas when he came in for Bryce Young. He went 70 or 80 yards for a touchdown. Not a lot of quarterbacks can do that. He is on that short list. So they're not calling design runs for him, in your opinion, because they know that if this guy gets hurt, there goes our season. I think that's, that factors in. They, they yeah. do it. They spot it. They don't do it as much as you might think they would, particularly when they're struggling in the passing game or if the receivers aren't getting separation. And you think, man, you got a weapon here uh, at, at quarterback who can completely break down a defense. He did it to Mississippi State uh, with a long touchdown run uh, when the offense was struggling at one point in the game. So, uh, But I think they're just trying to be very, very cautious in that regard because they know if, if they're going to get to Atlanta, mm. if they're going to get back to the playoff, uh, Jalen Milrow has to be the guy to take from there. You're the man, Kev. Tell the living listener where they can find you, how they can find you, all that good stuff. And Kevin Skorbinski, thank you, brother. Well, Tony, thank you. This has been fun. Great catching up with you. Best thing to do, follow me on Twitter slash X at Kevin Skarbinski. I always have links to all of my different initiatives that I'm working on. I write a weekly column for the Birmingham Lead. It's L-E-D-E dot com. You can subscribe to that. It's a daily publication. I write once a week for them. I have a weekly newsletter, Scarbo Knows, that you can find through al.com slash sports. I have my own website, as you mentioned, Skarbinski or KevinSkarbinski.com. So a lot of different ways to keep up with me. I'll be at SEC Basketball Media Days the next couple of days covering that for the SEC uh, with all the men's teams rolling in tomorrow and the women's teams on Thursday. So that should be fun. And then we're back to football for the weekend. Kev, the Vols are loaded, man, in hoops this year. And it's going to be a pretty good year uh, yeah. hoops-wise in the league. Yes, the most teams in the preseason top 25 released yesterday by the AP with mm-hmm. five. I think Tennessee, again, is going to, well, they're going to be what they've been under Rick Barnes, consistently very good, challenging for championships. Yep. And if Zakai Ziegler is healthy and fully back, uh, watch out for the Vols. Watch out for the Vols. But the people around here, you know what, they, they're like Atlanta Braves fans. They say until the postseason. Yeah. <laughs> The poor, the poor Brave. The, the, I feel really bad for the uh, Atlanta Brave Tennessee basketball fan. That person better enjoy the regular season and and get it while they can, as we say. You never know, uh, man. Hey, as a native of Pottsville, Pennsylvania, uh, who's been a Phillies fan Boom! since birth, I do Boom! not feel bad for the Braves fans one bit. We've stunk for so long. They've won a million divisions while we've been sitting there. Hanging around, uh, uh, hitching our wagon to a bunch of losers. I mean, I, I was listening to Cameron Rupp earlier today on a press conference talk about uh, the days of being coached by Ryan Sandberg, which was about eight years ago, Kev. And and uh, it seems like a million years ago, thank God. I, 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 I told my son last night after we won that game, I could get used to this, Kevin. I like how yeah. the Yankees have been living all these years. I could get used yeah. to this. And this is a Philadelphia kind of team, too. Yes. Castellanos, yes. Harper. I mean, the way those guys embrace that town, 
and the way they've embraced like Trey Turner when he was struggling yes. and they were on him. But you got to love it. You got to love it. I was well, there the night. Got, uh, seven more topper. What is it? Seven, seven more. Seven more topper. Hey, uh, Kev, I was there the night that uh, that Friday night when we gave him the standing ovation against Kansas City. I happened to be on vacation, and we were in the house that night. And the the kid that initiated that, Jack Fritz, is a friend of ours. We've had him on here uh, from time to time. Um, but it's it's weird to see the Philly fan base be kinder and gentler, Kevin. I don't know if I'm comfortable with it yet. <laughs> no, I just want, I'm just waiting to see that see them uh, storm the field after uh, Game Six, maybe of the World Series. There you go. Take down the Rangers. Thank you, brother. Take care. See you, Tony. Maybe we'll ride up to the parade together. Kevin Skarbinski, one more time. Matt, I, uh, on the TLD Logistics Hotline, online, tldlogistics.com. It sounds to me, Matt, like Tennessee's either going to run the ball on this team or else. If I can be a complete simpleton. Well, I mean, I, I think it'll be a lower-scoring game. Yeah. It, the thing, the th- I mean, you say that, and I, I agree, yeah. and I think that's the narrative, but Alabama is just bad enough offensively where you could win a slop fest um, if, if it comes to that. But, to, you know, generally to, to beat Alabama and, and to, to score points on that defense, you have to make plays downfield in the passing game or have that dynamic quarterback that can extend plays and either run for, for yards or or just extend plays and be able to hit guys downfield. And I just don't think Joe Milton is that. Um, but, you know, this isn't a, a typical Alabama team because, no. you know, even even though they're, they are more kind of the old school Saban Bama, they're not elite defensively. They're just, like, great and not elite. Um, and they just they, – they can – I mean, Milroe could throw a pick six like he did in that Texas game. You remember? I mean, Absolutely. That might have been the worst throw of the season. Absolutely. He's, he I mean, is. You just never know. Or James Pierce gets a strip sack and, and Tyler Barron runs one in that, that doesn't get called back. Um, I think he's had like three of those in his career. <laughs> he so threw, just, by the way, Matt, never know. Yeah, he threw a terrible pick uh, against A&M. And then A&M in true A&M fashion with a one-score oh, lead in the middle play, of third next quarter. Play. Next play gave it right back. So yeah. you're going to get opportunities. I mean, the thing about Milrow is I think the piece that's interesting and the thing we have to really try and determine between now and the game, and Tennessee does, is is this guy or his wheels okay? Because if his wheels are okay, he'll be running away from Tennessee's pressure. If his wheels are okay, um, they're going to use him on the ground, and he'll be effective if he can get to the second level on us because we know – uh, that us in space with a guy like him, uh, that's not going to be pretty. We just know that. So you've got to keep him contained, uh, and you've got to figure out a way to allow some integrity there um, so as to not break down, or he's really beat up and he can't move, which I, I don't I don't subscribe to that after talking to several people. I, uh, I you know, Kev was saying off the air, he was telling me, Tony, that, that, that deal there, they are terrified of what they have as a backup quarterback. They're terrified of it. And their tackle, uh, that left tackle position for them has been a sieve. You can close your In fact, why don't you do this? Here's an assignment for you. 
Close your eyes right now and picture Pierce coming right around that left tackle, unencumbered with a head of steam as we head into hour two. This is Big Lou Maddox, and you're listening to the best radio in southern Middle Tennessee, WKOM 101.7 FM, Columbia. Hi, I'm Robert Rogers at Parks Motor Sales Buick GMC. And I'm Michael Parks Lawrence at Parks Motor Sales Buick GMC. Together, we're Mr. Bobby Parks' grandsons, and we run his dealership, and we are glad to be part of our local community. Being family-owned and operated, we invest heavily in our community. We do things like sports teams, schools, bands, you name it. We try to help everybody we can. The reason why we do this is because we all love this community. So come do business with us, your neighbors, at Parks Motor Sales in Columbia, Tennessee, right off Nashville Highway, or at ParksMotorSales.com. Hello, I'm Barbara Lincoln with Holland's Pharmacy. You may have heard our previous commercials about compression hosiery that we carry at Holland's Pharmacy. Well, we've recently expanded into a full line of knee braces, back, wrist, ankle, and other support wear. We will gladly help you get just the right fit for these items and, of course, special order items to ensure the proper fit. Come see us at Holland's Pharmacy, 1608 Hatcher Lane, or call us at 931-388-4233. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter, like the drywall that somehow isn't. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090 for all your home comfort needs. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American Standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090. Hi, this is Steve, the Garbage Man. Y'all have heard me talk in the past about Packer, our mascot dog. Well, I have some sad news about Packer. She recently crossed over the Rainbow Bridge to join our other beloved pets of the past. Packer lived out her final days on our farm in Water Valley. She had a great 14 years of life after being rescued by Don from being thrown away as a pup in someone's garbage. Rest in peace, Packer. Are you thinking about a new fence? Maybe you need a pole barn. Then you should give Sands Fence Company a call. That's 931-309-1644. Will Sands has built his business based on the principles of honesty, quality, and integrity. Sands Fence Company has been in business for over 20 years, providing the community with farm, residential, and commercial fencing, as well as pole barns and buildings. Call today for a free estimate. Sands Fence Company, 931-309-1644. 931-309-1644. For 40 years, the Jewelers Bench has worked hard for their customers and provided the highest quality jewelry at the best price. They keep going back. Recent renovations have allowed them to expand their inventory. More high quality jewelry, custom vintage and estate pieces, and professional jewelry and watch repairs. They also buy gold. The Jewelers Bench, still here, still great service. 808 Trotwood Avenue, Columbia. Hello, my name is Connor Mims. My wife Bradley and I live in Columbia, Tennessee in Riverside. I am a deck and porch builder and my wife is a second grade teacher at Riverside Elementary. My specialty is designing and building elegant and comfortable porches and decks. Let me work with you to design and build the porch or deck of your dreams. Give us a call today from our website, MimsModernLandscape.com. That's MimsModernLandscape.com and check out what we have to offer. Thanks. 
Don't put off getting your oil changed, Columbia. Take 5 is faster than you think. There's no appointment needed and no waiting room. Yep, you heard that correctly. Take 5 is so fast, you don't even have to get out of your car. Visit their newest location at 1203 South James Campbell Boulevard and take advantage of their $15 off grand opening special. That's right, $15 off any oil change, Columbia. Take 5, the stay-in-your-car 10-minute oil change. They're faster than you think. Join the Columbia Noon Rotary Club on Saturday, November 11th for Pancake Day. This long-standing event has been serving the best pancakes in town since 1959. Eat in or carry out, your ticket includes pancakes, sausage, and your choice of beverage. Pancake Day will be held from 6 a.m. to 4 p.m. at the Memorial Building on West 7th Street. Tickets can be purchased at the door or from any Noon Rotary member, and the cost is $10 each or three for $25. Children six and under eat free. Proceeds from Pancake Day benefit several Rotary community projects, including scholarships for local students. See you November 11th. This is Jack Cobb with Murray County Public Schools and the Big Yellow School Bus. You're listening to Front Porch Radio on 101.7 WKOM in Columbia, Tennessee. TB back with you. I love uh, Mashy. Thank you, Mashy. 865-200-5402, the number. If you want to hunt mix with us today on your Tony Basilio show or getting in the mix and getting a hunt with us, uh, as the uh, w- whatever the case may be, we're here with you, breaking it down, skying, typically moving right to left and left to right across your device. But let's, without further ado, if you want to jump in, 865-200-5402. Matt said something that I want to kind of get into here that I think is interesting. If you have a thought on Kevin Skarbinski's appearance, have at it. Um. Kevin mentioned SEC uh, media basketball stuff. I'm really excited for this basketball season. I think this team is going to be lights out great. I think it's Rick Barnes' best team. I think they're underrated. I mean, the polls mean nothing, obviously, but nothing means less than a basketball poll. Nothing in life means less. Um, but But I think this team is going to be... Really, really good. Really good. So some great times are ahead. Uh, I was texting with Tony Valls, Matt. They got a Juco pitcher over the weekend. Um, they had a ton of talent in uh, the baseball team did over over uh, that game, and those guys were just blown away by the scene in Neyland Stadium the other night. And why wouldn't they be? Why wouldn't they be? Imagine walking a kid in there that knows nothing about this into a checker-kneeling game? Oh, oh yeah. That, that, if you, I, mean, I guess he didn't have anybody at that South Carolina game because he was kind of flying solo down there on the field cheering score wide on. But, no, it's a huge advantage to be able to take recruits to those, to those games. Um, and, and, and you've seen the in, – in reverse, we've seen Heifel bring, bring a, a prospect or two to, to baseball games even in, in the spring. Um, is is really good camaraderie, of, you know, just on campus. That yep. You just got a kind of a winning culture over there, which seemed like a, a just an afterthought for you know a decade plus, and that you've got just kind of a winning culture throughout campus, and and it all kind of feeds off each other. No doubt about that. And and I love that camaraderie. And Tony tells me that a lot of that 
is is really oh quit tea cattling my dog's over here tea cattling she's a world-class whiner quit whining good night lou just relax i hear you just relax 865-200-5402 all lines are jammed matt asked me a question during the break that's a great question go ahead matt regarding well the- it's just a, f- a funny thought that i have that kind of gives me some joy and yeah and obviously the players matter but hypo out coach saban in last year's game you know maybe not necessarily in game but just scheme wise kind of like with jimbo the other day and I just think of how much time Nick Saban spent this offseason re-watching that game and re-watching Tennessee film to make sure that that didn't happen again. And all that film work and all that prep basically is for nothing because Tennessee is a completely different team. So I, I would just love to know how many hours he wasted re-watching all the, all the stuff from last year to prepare for that offense again when Tennessee is basically just a run-heavy Run heavy offense now, and 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 also to kind of play off that, yeah. it'll be interesting. And I'd I'd love to know. I mean, we never will, but how much of the the USF film Hypel and them will watch and and be able to maybe scheme up some things based on how Alabama defended uh, Comrade Golish's team down there in, in South Florida. Because Comrade Golish wants to play the way we're playing, and tempo wise is among the fastest teams in the in the deal but if you look at their quarterback they just don't and their passing game they just don't have a real vertical threat uh just yet he basically has inherited what he inherited and that's what he's doing uh he's trying to make the best of it you know my question is this matt when do teams start defending tennessee like they're playing power football instead of hypo football because they're still defending tennessee like they're playing hypo football instead of power football I, I I was surprised rewatching the the game how how little you know guys in the box A and M had. That's right. For a, it, just as the game kept you know you just at some point you got to take chances and I, I don't know it was just, it was just weird but that's what when you can you know space the field like Tennessee does you have to at least cover guys um, and that. You know, just create so much open space. So, and and that's the reason, Matt. These guys know way more about it than I ever will. The thing I'll never understand about us on these third and short, fourth and short steals is why we bunch everybody together. What are we doing on the short yardage plays? Your strength is spreading everything out, running out of those formations. Why would you give up what you're doing? Why would you give your strength up, Matt, and bring everybody into the box? That seems. I don't know that that doesn't jive with me. I mean, it's it's just the the matchup deal. You're you're hoping to catch a defense that is kind of got six, you know, five or six DBs on the field in a in a run heavy set. I think with when you had Brew McCoy, it it was a lot more effective because he was kind of essentially a second tight end on those types of plays, and and you don't have him. But I mean, they they just they just don't have a great a great short yardage running game. Um, like in, in those key spots, like when everybody knows what you're doing and to be able to pick up those yards, this team just, I don't think is going to be very good at that, but I, they did that. The push thing that 
against Virginia, yep. and we haven't seen it again. Yes, that's right. Um, it's really, really interesting. And they, I think they even did that a few times last year. Uh, maybe this is the weekend we, we see that again. And maybe this is the weekend we see D. Williams at wide receiver. Let's go to the phones. I think Tennessee's got to pull some stuff out or be about as vanilla as possible and do what you do really well. And kind of, like Kevin said, play offense to set up your defense. That's what he said Alabama's doing. Alabama's weird because they're making plays in their passing game, and that was a not supposed to be the case. The more I think about this Alabama game, the more I get the feeling that Tennessee goes in there as a live dog, and then half the time I'm over there going, come on, Tony, get real. Get real with yourself. So I don't know. I'm having this... uh, I'm having this personal conversation with this game, which is where I've been a lot this year uh, with the Vols in some of these games, to be completely honest with you. But I knew A&M last week. I knew they were total losers. You're playing a guy over there this week, that head coach, who's a master, who's a master of winning games he should not win, like they did at A&M. Speaking of Nick Saban, back to the phones we go. Hello and welcome in on a Tuesday. You're on the air. Please. Hello. I, Brian, did you hear something there? I heard like a mystery sound. Hello? I heard a. Uh, I heard one word. Yeah. I Hello? I understand what that word was. Uh, how you doing, Tony? Oh, hey, Bill. How you doing, buddy? Titans, William. Huh? Hey, Bill, get in a better zone, man. Get in a better cell zone in your house. Hello and welcome into our next call. Titans Bill's phone is is well, not he, did, he, says, he, has a, he has dead zones in his house. He doesn't have to drive far to find his dead zone. He like walks into his kitchen. Crisis hotline for his damn phone. Hello and well, a crisis hotline for his phone. I'm not sure what's worse, his phone or the Titans offense with Malik Willis under center. Hello and, and you're export football, and you're going to take that Titan team over there to export football. You trying to grow the game in Europe, or are you trying to kill the interest? Hello, and welcome into our next call. Hey, what's up, Tom? Yo. Hey, man, I really feel like, um, in, in my opinion, uh, the key to this football game is going to be uh, our ability to get Milrow on the ground. Um, when you when you got two offenses that are playing the way these two offenses are playing, uh, that right there uh, is a ace in the hole, you know, if we come after this guy and heat him up, and like you said earlier, he breaks contained, uh, and he scratches out oh. three or four or five first downs for them, you know, throughout the period of the game, one of them situations where yep. you literally almost had him on the ground, which seems to happen, you know, a good a good deal when you're dealing with a marvelous athlete like that. Um, and I really do, man. I feel like um, – I feel like getting him on the ground is going to be a big deal. And uh, I think that also the Brew McCoy thing, losing him, um, I feel like hurt Milton even more because it's a shame that this offense doesn't have a leader, man. You know, Um, and I feel like McCoy maybe could have, he probably took on some of that role out of need and seeing neglect from the quarterback, you know, not doing it. It's well put. Um, It's well put. It really is yeah. a 12 putt. Because yeah. Milton just doesn't – Milton intangibly just 
the kids say the right things about him, and they say the right, you know. But when he's on a football field, he does not look like a captain of that team out there, does he? He just doesn't. No, sir, bro. He, he does not get it. He does, there's the, no. Like last week, I literally think, I literally think that when he stepped out of bounds short of that first down, that our coach had to go to this guy and be like, look, man, that, that's something that you just, you know, you can't do that. Um, you know, you're going to have to, you're a big guy, you're going to have to run some people over. So it's almost like it's a, a neck up thing, Tony. Like he just doesn't um, get things in the home, bro. Well, uh, I like the uh, I like the concept. Right, the very next play. I mean, he gets he cannot wait to get over a guy, and taunt him, and taunt. And I appreciate that. We can't use that language on the radio, but he and taunt him. I mean, that's just not. I'm not picking at Milton, but that's just not the way quarterbacks behave. Like I've never seen a quarterback act like that, especially going and throwing an interception the next and having credibility. I mean, you can't do that. Matt, I'm convinced the way he played in the second half, they're going to need that guy at Alabama and when they go in these road games to win, the guy that's going to run and put his head down. I'm convinced they went to him at halftime and said, Joe, if you want your job, you better start running with the football. I'm convinced. Nobody tells me that's what happened. But I find it interesting that you had the fourth down play where he kind of go did the kind of not the go out of bounds thing but kind of the give up deal on fourth down that was preceded by the going out of bounds short of the sticks and then all of a sudden he comes out like a man with his head on fire and his hair on fire in the second half I'm convinced Matt that they went to him at halftime and said Joe you better start running with the ball if you want to keep your job I'm convinced well, of that not not coaches I think teammates told him you got to start playing like a a real Football player. I, I think it was team. I don't think coaches could have Whomever. made that change. I think it was it was teammates. Maybe maybe on the sidelines, but yeah, I, I agree with you. There, that's that's exactly what happened. Something um, happened. You you need him to be a running threat. Yes. Um, and with this, you're going to be kind of a run heavy deal, and you you need him to at least occupy a, a defender on some of these RPO types, what, whether they're real RPOs or not. Yeah. Um, you need him to at least appear to be a running threat um, on on plays um, that aren't just designed runs either, um, which is and you know I think that's what he almost all his runs are. But you know it, it's a good point. It, it he's got to be a, a he's got to be able to pick up a few first downs with his legs or extend plays. You know, I mean he even made a a few throws that were kind of outside the pie. I think the touchdown to Warren was kind of a dump off deal. Where he would at least had rolled left, um, which is something that we just haven't seen from him, um, or really just hypos offense in general. So, no, that's stuff you're going to have to you have to do because you you just don't have that that downfield passing game. You've got to kind of kind of pick up yards and grind out first downs more. And improvise plays think, in the dirt. I think plays in the dirt backyard a, football. Go ahead, Brian. He'd be a hell of a fullback. Well, how about this, Bry? Maybe you can. Uh, I'm not kidding. You know, have him in the back. Guys away from Con. He's he like Con. If you took, if you took Josh Dobbs's mentality, okay, and put it in Joe Milton's body, stick around and talk to me. You can't make people what they're not. You just can't. It's just like me, right? I'm a lot of things. I'm never going to be your detail-oriented person. I'm just not. If I didn't have Laura managing my business, I'd been underwater a long time ago. 
Okay, I'm just just the way it is. I know that. When it comes to Milton, how you can be that big and not want to run people over is beyond me. But that's who kind of who he is. But can you imagine if they could just get him to the point where they could run some of that option stuff? He looked pretty good the other day doing it, too. He looked a lot better than I thought he would look. When he kept the ball and took it upfield, he looked pretty good doing it. Go look at the uh, go look at the Texas San Antonio game, the first play. It's really strange, but that same guy will that same guy is going to walk out of bounds on you, short of a of a marker, and he's done it, and he's going to do it. It's just on really a free odd. play. That's that. Just really strange. But I appreciate the call, sir. Thank you, but. We've got restrictions here. Hello and welcome into our next call. Hey, Tony. Yo. Can you Welcome in. Hi. Hey, it's Leslie. Hey, Leslie. Thanks for the wonderful emails you've sent me. Oh, okay, yeah. I was wondering if you got them. Oh, yes. Thank you so much. You're welcome. I I replied to one of them. I replied that I was glad you guys got back. I don't know if you saw that. Oh, oh, okay. Well, I'm bad about taking my email. Oh, okay. Well, good. That makes two of us. That makes two of us. Uh, Yeah, so I was thinking about this game. I told my husband and our friends, like, on the way up there Saturday, I was like, I feel like the defense for special teams is going to have to score, you know, for us to win, which that happened. Yep. And I think the same thing this weekend. I feel like we have to get a point where, you know, we aren't used to seeing them with with, uh, Coach Heifel, you know, with special teams or defense. You're almost to the point with this group when you play people who can play, Leslie, and Alabama certainly fits that description. A&M fit that description. Kind of the upper half teams in this league. Missouri probably meets that description as well right now, and Georgia certainly mm-hmm. does, where mm-hmm. you have got to manufacture things that you're not seeing. Because offensively, mm-hmm. you are right. She's got a great point, Matt. Like, you would almost have to consider playing field position some as well uh, if our defense continues to play the way they are, Matt, which I know Josh Heupel does not want to play that game. But you almost have to consider punting the ball in in a in a plus situation, uh, Dixon. What do you think to Leslie's point? Uh, no, I think I do think you need to play field position some, maybe, and not necessarily situ. I mean, situationally, but just kind of your play calling going into it and your game plan. Yeah, um, you kind of game plan for it being a, a field position game where. If you have to punt four or five times, that's not the end of the world like it like it typically would be for this type of offense. Especially with the um, way we're playing defense. That's that's the big, you know, that's the deal. Mm-hmm. Plus, in this game, they don't have a left tackle. Kevin Skarbinski's not going to mm-hmm. come in here and say that. And, and, Leslie, they are 129 out of 133 teams Alabama is in sacks allowed. You know that going into the game. You know mm-hmm. that going in. You're going to get opportunities to get at Milrow. Yep. Hey, one other point. Is it okay if I mention, like, a TV show? I mean, I don't want to break the rules. There are no rules here, Les. I, I mean, okay. I don't know how long you've listened well, to me. I don't, I don't have a rule. Except for the last caller. 
Yeah, the last uh-huh. caller, the last caller yeah. came in here with a with a little bit of a potty mouth. There's like that, seven words you can't. That's say a fed, that's a federal rule, I think. Is what international rule is what he just broke an international uh, 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 rule. But you go ahead. Yeah. T- tell okay, me your TV so show. I, I've been watching that new read and react show, and if y'all didn't watch it, I highly recommend it. Because, you know, my guy, Roman Harper. Oh, I love Roman Harper. So high on James Pierce Jr. And uh, James Pierce made it into the block party. They have this block party where they highlight the five best blocks of the day. And they they were like, he had so many that they couldn't pick just one. So I thought that was pretty cool. I love Roman Harper. He's a gentleman's gentleman. Now, are you the person that he gave the guitar to, or is that somebody else? Yeah, 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 that's me. Okay, yeah, that's, that's a wonderful me. thing. That's cool. Yeah. Tell the story yeah. to, to folks that aren't familiar with this. You told us, I want to say it was after the Virginia game. I've got, like, a great yeah. auditory memory when people tell me things. Uh, yes, t- now t- my dog barked. Go ahead. That's okay. You let your dog bark. My dog was just whining. Tell, tell the, uh, I know. I, I heard that. Tell those um, folks okay, the Harper story. I went to the um, SEC Nation that morning. I didn't have a ticket to the game, but my husband and son did. So, son was coming from East Tennessee, so we met up in, in Nashville anyway. So, I said, well, I'm going to SEC Nation anyway. It'll be fun. So, after it was all over, uh, my son and, and husband had already left to get to the game. It's a pretty long walk from where the SEC Nation set was. And uh, anyway, so I was like, Roman, Roman, I don't have a ticket. I don't have a ticket. So he comes over there, and uh, he had that guitar that they had on the set at the end. And uh, Jordan, I think that's his name, the Vanderbilt dude, he smashed the Virginia one or whatever, which I kind of thought was, I don't don't know. I mean, I guess he didn't think about the whole thing with their team. My gosh, he smashed their guitar. Yeah, that that was. Do you think he's a honky tonk man? I mean, what in the world? Well, I will say these were very cheap guitars. Of course, yeah, yeah, they're props, right? Mm -hmm. But um, but anyway, Roman comes over there and says, "I've seen you've been here the whole show." You know, I was right on the front row, and um, he said, "Uh, "I don't have any tickets, but I was going to give you this guitar." So that was, you know, that's the short version. He was super nice. I said, "Can I get a photo?" Because my family is not going to believe this story if um, I don't have a photo. And he was like, sure. And these two young ladies that were there, too, uh, they were Gator fans, and they were super nice. There were people from representing all over, which is one thing I love about that SEC nation. And Nashville, as you know, is the destination. So there were people there from all over. It was uh, You met nice Florida fans? You met in Florida yeah, fans that yeah, were I mean, nice? Yeah, they were just young women. I, I mean, I have young adult kids. I yeah. have kids from 25 down to 13. So, I mean, most young adults, I try to give them the benefit of the doubt. Exactly. Make, you know, because they get a bad rap a lot of the time. But well, they deserve anyway, it. They, well, they took my photo with him. Uh, the funniest part, though, probably was I was walking back to my car, and you want to talk about getting some strange looks? I was getting them. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been down on Broadway in Nashville. Uh, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I was getting some strange looks, but I was not. I was going to get back with my guitar from the ESPN SEC Nation set. Well, you know, listen, I mean, hey, if somebody and if somebody would have pulled up on you, <laughs> they were going to wear a guitar, you know. But Leslie, I appreciate you. Thank you. How about um, the brother of <laughs> that guy that plays for the Jets is a total weirdo. I actually think Jordan Rogers does a nice job, guys, calling games. Am I wrong? I think he's. I actually think he's pretty good. Am I wrong? Uh, Tom, Tom Hart makes him look a lot better than he really is. Oh, Tommy Boy Hart getting a shout out. I like Jordan Rogers. He as sounds, long as he sounds like he's, he's alright right until he lets you know, the bandy stuff out. He's Chris, he, uh, Chris Burke's he's vocal, been, vocal doppelganger is what he is. He sounds like Berkey. He uh, he's had a lot of experience now, so he should be getting better. You'd think. Hey Matt, do the Strohs tie that thing at two? Going back, uh, going back to Houston. Do they or going back to to uh, Texas? Do they I go think and it's win two on, three two? Do they go they and win on their in. field? Do they do they scratch a couple out, Matt, and get that thing back in their building? Uh, they might win two of the three, but uh, I mean they'll probably win Wednesday. Um, that seems like a prime spot for Max Scherzer to have another postseason implosion after not pitching for like a month. Interesting. Um, and now he'll throw a no hitter. But uh, no, I mean the, the Rangers will win the series. But in, in a weird way, the Astros need, really needed to be be the road team in that series because of how I mean they played bad at home all season and they've been really good on the road, um, which is kind of weird. But they just kind of thrive off that energy of of being the 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 villain on the road, kind of like Tennessee baseball has been. They wanted to steal um, one in their they, building. They needed to win game one to win the series, and they didn't do that. And then you spot a team a 4 nothing lead in the first inning yesterday, you're not going to beat any good baseball team in the postseason doing that. The Sillies have won 14 straight first games in these series. And that's how you win in the postseason. You just keep winning. You, if you win first games of series – you give yourself an excellent shot. You win that second game, then you got like an eighty percent chance of winning these series. So, which is where the Sillies will be tonight. Let's go back to the phones and get our next call in on your Tuesday edition. Hi. Can you hear me now? Uh, yes. Okay, good. Tony, I heard something very interesting over the weekend. Hi. This was on one of the national talk shows. Hi. That uh, Goodell would like would like for the Super Bowl to be played in jolly old England, in London, England. I believe that. Why wouldn't? Yeah, that makes great sense to me. Why wouldn't you do that? That's uh, that's a horrible idea. Why, Brian? Why? Well, they're going to bring the Premier League champion. They're going to bring the Premier League games over here. Well, if you have two East Coast teams or close to it, it's a six-hour flight. I mean, it's the same thing as playing it in Pasadena if you're an East Coast person. And a person would have to win, let's say, if the Philadelphia Eagles was in it. Yeah. A person would have to win the Pennsylvania lottery to afford a plane ticket. Hey, Bill, I got news for you. What? People that go to Super Bowls anyway are paying through their nose for it. That's yeah, not yeah. that's not for working it's, people. It's for TV, and it's Super Bowls for TV. I mean, all these sports are now. Yep. So TV, made-for-TV deal, which yep. is a shame. 
but it's what it's exorbitantly it's all for the glitterati and the glitterati will find a way to go to london i'll tell you what brian that game where the titans played the other day what stadium was that was that tottenham stadium that was in totten the uh, tottenham stadium that yes. is gorgeous gorgeous yes. on television Go- those end zones are beautiful man absolutely beautiful yeah that was that's well done well done you are correct well, what's going to be the next thing? Put in the World Series in in uh, jolly old England. Well, you know, Bill, they've these, already got game. They already play regular season games there. These sports are now becoming global. That's why the Premier League is playing a pre- and has for several years preseason games over here. Well, they should start playing regular games. The NFL has to play regular games over there. At some point, you will see some of those teams play games in places like New York City and Los Angeles. I I think that's going to happen, yes. Speaking of that, Tony, I believe the British need to maybe take a little lessons from the Americans on how to to, uh, do a, a, a good police episode. Bill, were you... What? Uh Uh-huh. What? Did you just say? I said the I said the British needs to take a little bit of lessons from the Americans on how to on how to maybe do a a really clap do a great police episode. Huh? That's what I think. He wants on patrol live from London. Are you talking about the on patrol live uh, Sheriff Taylor with a British accent? Are you talking about? Are you talking about that, like reality-based stuff, or are you talking about scripted series television? Scripted, scripted series television. What's you know, different like, about what they do in England with their cop dramas and ours? What's different? Okay, the bottom line of it is, in, our, in America, they draw out their weapons. In, in, in Great Britain, they don't. They don't use wet guns. That's the reason why I I would consider the Americans ten times better than the British when it comes to these script police episodes. Bill, I I've got to say I I've got to say we were having a semi-relevant sports conversation, and you somehow what? Matt, what is this guy talking about? I'll put it to you this way. Between, let's say, Blue Blood Summer Murders. What? Blue Bloods, I feel, when it comes to these script police dramas, it's ten times better than Midsummer Murders. I'll put it to you this way. You're out of here. I mean, good night. What is he talking about? Of all the times for his phone to have a crystal clear signal. This is Bama week. I mean, what's next? You're going to call in tomorrow and give me your five favorite episodes of Downton Abbey? You clown. <laughs> I mean, what in the... Our, what in our the, birthright week. This is birthright week, Joshy boy. Or Josh? I'm sorry, not By Josh. By the way, is, is uh, Josh going to call and 
give another phone call. No, I'm gonna, here? I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that. In fact, right after this, this is Birthright Week. Spread the word and get the app mm-hmm. at TonyBasilio.com. This is Big Lou Maddox, and you're listening to the best radio in southern Middle Tennessee. WKOM 101.7 FM, Columbia. Celebrate you with a new vehicle from Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Columbia. We have a huge selection of new vehicles waiting for you. We're talking cars, trucks, and SUVs. And if you're in the business of selling your vehicle, we've got you covered. We'll buy from you even if you don't buy from us. At Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Columbia, we're locally owned and operated and proud to serve our community as the largest CDJR dealership in Tennessee. Find your new ride today when you visit Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Columbia. Hello, this is Rick Tillis from Tillis Jewelry. What is a full-service jeweler? Experienced staff, custom designers, in-house jewelry repairs, and beautiful jewelry. Yes, at Tillis Jewelry, we are passionate, knowledgeable, and committed to integrity. We strive to be the best in our community and in our profession. We build long-term relationships and become part of family traditions that will cross generations. We delight clients by providing an unparalleled selection, superior service, and exceptional value. Tillis Jewelry, we exceed your expectations. Do you suffer from knee pain? Is it painful to walk or perform your day-to-day activities? If so, we have great news at the Dr. Gill Center. We can relieve your knee pain fast and easy with no downtime and no surgery. The FDA has approved a new non-surgical treatment for knee pain, and it's covered by most major insurance, including Medicare. This treatment has helped millions of people across the nation. Call today to see if you qualify for a free consultation and get back to a pain-free life. 615-551-9224. Brown's Body Shop has two locations to provide your vehicles with high-quality body and frame repairs, the best paint jobs, and custom body fabrications. Brown's Body Shop has been successful for more than 50 years because of their highly trained personnel, competitive prices, superior customer care, and timely service. Don't put off body repairs or that custom paint job at Fenders. Go to Brown's Body Shop today. 1505 Nashville Highway in Columbia, 129 Alpha Drive in Franklin. Looking for convenience? Try Quickmark Convenience Stores, conveniently located all across Murray County, Southern Middle Tennessee, and North Alabama. Whether stopping in on your way to work for coffee and a biscuit, taking a plate lunch to go, or grabbing something cold to drink after a long hot day at work, there's always one nearby. Quickmark Convenience Stores, conveniently located all across Southern Middle Tennessee and North Alabama. Proudly serving Shell Gasoline. Hey, this is Derek Ransom with Ten Pin Alley, voted number one family entertainment center in Murray County. We offer 32 bowling lanes, giant arcade, laser tag, bumper cars, and a full cafe and bar menu. We also specialize in group events, kids and adult birthday parties, company parties, sports team parties, and holiday parties. We're located at 322 East James Campbell Boulevard in Columbia. Call us today at 931-381-BOWL or visit us at tenpin.com. Ten Pin Alley, it's where the good times roll. This is Mark Curry at the Trailer Store. We are a local, family-owned business. Every day, I work with my wife, Susie, my mother, Becky, and my son, Justin. We offer a full line of lawnmower trailers, utility trailers, stock trailers, and a full line of trailer parts. We also offer service. Come see us at 1021 New Lewisburg Highway. Call us at 931-381-2795. That's 931-381-2795. 
Hey, this is Trip Stoltz, owner and manager of Columbia Ace Hardware. Football season is here, and that means tailgating starts now. Come see us at 112 East James Campbell Boulevard and let us help you get your backyard game ready. We are open Monday through Friday from 7 to 7 and on Saturday from 8 to 4. Go Vols! I am Jack Blackstone. And I'm Emery Blackstone. Together, we are Greenway Tech Repair. Tired of slow computers, cracked phone screens, and fancy home electronics you don't know how to use? We can help. We provide local on-site services as well as remote troubleshooting for any job, no matter how large or small, from computers and laptops to mobile devices and home electronics. We Blackstone Brothers are eager to serve our community. Find us on Facebook at Greenway Tech Repair or by phone at 931-388-2691. That's on Facebook at Greenway Tech Repair or by phone at 931-388-2691. This is T. Willie. I'm once again talking with Miles Johnson. How are you doing today, and what great sales do you got at Foodland this week? Oh, well, I'm doing great. This week, we have a normal week-long sale. Our week-long sale includes ground beef for $3.49 a pound, seedless grapes, $2.19 a pound, sweet potatoes, $0.99 cents a pound, Milo's Gallon Tea, 3 for 10 and Coca-Cola 6-pack, uh, 3 for 10 Thanks, Miles. That's amazing. Again, people need to check that out. And you're located right there at 427 West 7th Street, the big shopping center with plenty of parking right there by the post office. It's easy to get in and out of. Uh, you got some a very friendly staff working there, and we really appreciate. I know I come in there from time to time as well. The store is stocked very well. Uh, the people are very friendly, and they'll help you find whatever you need. Miles, thank you as always. I appreciate you and your staff, and uh, we look forward to talking to you next week as well. All righty. Thank you. Thank you, Miles. Jim Ross, and you are listening to Front Porch Radio, WKOM 101.7, located in Columbia, Tennessee. Shout out Frankie Jr., shout out South Carolina. We were just talking during the break, and the people over uh, listening to us on Twitter Spaces get to laugh and giggle about it, but... uh, Shout out Frankie Jr. Letting Graham Mertz come from two scores back on you to beat you in a thriller. That game right there in the SEC that's played opposite the game that's on CBS is like the dark match. Those of you that used to love wrestling back in the day or still watch wrestling, the dark matches are the ones that have before television, the, the, before television shows up. They're just there. They just go on. And unless you unless you catch them on a handheld camera, they're not going to be recorded. They're the dark matches. And Florida, who's the dark match this week, guys, in the league? Do you know, it's Brian? The, uh, South, I think it's the South Carolina-Missouri game. Wow. I think it's a 330 seat. I think South Carolina-Missouri, maybe. Carolina plays in a lot of these dark matches, Matt. Are you noticing this? Are you noticing a trend here? Uh, that's kind of kind of been their history. Well, Tennessee used to play in some under Pruitt. Oh my gosh, we were just laughing during the break, and then we'll go back to the phones about <laughs> Pruitt's. Because Brian just made a point that constantly throughout the week you see quotes like Willie Mose out there talking to people today, and um, I love the numbers that are saying Tennessee secondary is great. If people really believe that, I mean, more power to you. 
I, I'm all for pro football hocus focus pocus, but quarterbacks aren't getting time to throw the ball against us, which is wonderful. The guy, A&M's quarterback, had zero chance to throw the ball downfield Saturday. Zero. He dropped back to pass 36 times, and he was under duress 25 of those times. And the two of them that he wasn't, his center was stepping on his foot. But other than that, I'm sure it was a great experience for him in Neyland Stadium Saturday. It had very little to do with our secondary. No offense. Let's go back to the phones and get our our secondary is going to get tested this week because this guy's going to throw the ball on him. Let's go to the phones and get our next call in. Hello and welcome. Hey Tony B, how you doing? Hey my man, how you doing, Florida? We were just talking about you, man. You always are. No, 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 no. We not always are, but your name just came up there at the very end, and we were laughing and giggling about your call over the weekend to Garza Law Fifth Quarter Fan Reaction, which we all thought was amusing. It, it, it was the truth. It was the truth, and you know it was the truth, and, and, and guess what, Tony B? Yeah? You're getting ready to go into the meat and bones of your, and your, of your season. Yes. No more easy games. Nope. No more easy games because our game to you and Brian and the rest of you uh, Tennessee faithful, we, we were we were supposed to be an easy game for y'all, which, you know, hey, Milton just showed you who he was, and, and, and Banks hadn't focused on the defense like he's supposed to. All of that good stuff said, you lost. But, you know, hey. You just get ready to get into it, and I just want to see what the excuse is going to be on the fifth quarter fan reaction. On uh, I'm not, I'm not, an excuse, I'm not an excuse maker, but I, I, I do know this. In this league, it's very difficult to win on the road. The numbers say it's very difficult to win on the road. Josh Heupel's been extremely good here, but he's four and five on the road, which means it's just very hard to win football games on. The road here, and so if that was the case, why do y'all? Why do you mollywop me about us losing to Kentucky? Which no, Kentucky's been beaten up for the last that, three years. That was we Matt. Just happened to lose on the road. That was year. Matt Dixon that mollywopped you. The yeah, Matt Dixon. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I didn't mollywop well, anybody. Why did y'all laugh at me? Why did, you, why did you call me out like that, Matt? I think. Well, I mean, your, your team just didn't show up. I mean, there's one thing going and getting beat on the road. There's another just not even showing up. You were low-hanging I mean, fruit. I Missouri think was down 14 nothing, and then blew Kentucky out of the damn grocery store. <laughs> okay. 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 All right. All right, Matt. So I can say the damn, same damn thing about Tennessee. Y'all just didn't show up. Y'all didn't even make, like, the dog treat aisle. Y'all didn't even make the dog treat aisle in Kroger. How many aisles, Matt, did they get through that night? Florida, how many aisles did they get through? Did they get past the produce that night, Matt? Uh, they, they had the shopping carts that the, the security thing had stopped them before they even got in the door. Like going to Aldi. You couldn't even get the 25-cent shopping cart thing to work where you got to pay a quarter at Aldi to get your shopping cart. You couldn't even get your shopping cart and get inside. Well, hey, it's better than going to save a lot where I can't get anything worth a damn. What was the uh, hey Matt? <laughs> Shave a lot catches trays. Hey Matt, what was the um? <laughs> Florida, just, <laughs> Florida just popped me. Uh, uh, what was the what was the what were they down, Matt? Early in that game, 
What was the initial count there? Do you remember, Matt, the Florida-Kentucky deal? Florida, I think it was 23 to nothing. What? They had the... They had the they they had that weird pip special teams penalty and then Kentucky went eighty yards on the next play. That's a molly whopping, all right. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah hey, they molly us, but you know you're supposed <laughs> to have the best team in the league. We How do. Come y'all didn't molly whop. We do. Did you and see? Our, I thought it was molly walking. No, it's molly whop. That's why. That's why I was saying he's making fun of Italian people. Did you? Did you? Uh, you, you do know, right? You and I both know, because we know, that if we played that game tomorrow, you would get the dog walked on you, right? Hey, you know that, right? Bro, you, you, you wishing, bro. That's no, 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 I'm not wishing. No, I'm, I hear I'm, fear in your voice, Floyd. Yeah, I hear fear in his voice. Hey. Yeah, I hear fear. Oh, my God. You, hey, can I, can I say something to you? Absolutely. And I know you won't get in trouble about this, but if ants had nuts, they'd be uncles. If. If, if, you want to keep hollering if about everything. You can't keep hollering if about everything when the game has been played and it's over, Tony B. It's over. What's up, bro? All right. Thank you, brother. Good talking to you. You can't have three conversations, Florida. You got to have respect. He's got to have respect for the deal. What's he doing? Coming in late. Coming in late. What are you going to do with him? Coming in late. <laughs> Talk that latest Smoothie King commercial where he goes, Basilio, you're coming in late is incredible. Which I do come in late a lot. But we'll go back to the phone. If you want to get in the hunting in the mix with us. I feel good about this week. I think this is going to be um, It's fun to get a chance to go play at Alabama where you actually have a chance to win the game. And you can feel like before the week, hey, we can win this game. That's how I feel right now. It's the first time, really the second time under Saban, where they've gone down there with a chance, you think, to win the game. The first time didn't go very well. Where was that? What that was, was the, the first, first time? That was the 2007 game. I think that's where right, Brian. Went, they were one-point favorites down there. Yeah. You this really is, this felt like the, they should win the game. This is the first time since then where Tennessee's not at least a two-touchdown underdog going to Bama. That. I think they've only been less than 24 like twice, and those were the, the two close games, 9 and 15, where Tennessee you know, had a chance to win late, both of those. Say that again. This is the first. Say that one more time. Yeah, well, it, it's the first time. Since that 07, since Saban's first year there, where Tennessee's not at least a two-touchdown underdog going to Bama. I think they were 14 points in Kiffin's year, and then it was a 15-and-a-half-point spread in 2015 when they lost 19-14 to 14 with, with Dobbs when they Bama had that nice drive late to win it. The rest of the time, they've been like 24-point underdogs or were. I mean, they were like 35 uh a few times. I mean, they were like five touchdown underdogs down there. That's very, 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 very interesting. And my expectation is to be in the game late. I don't know if my expectation is to win it, 
But I'll tell you this, if you're in the game late, you always have an opportunity for something weird to happen. I don't know that we're going to blow them out or win by a couple of scores. That might be a little much with what we have offensively. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying, Matt? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One, that's like, one point that's like calling the Florida game a borderline layup. Yeah. Yeah, only a fool would say something like that. But you know. You know, Arkansas had their chances, but they gave up a sack, and I think they gave up a, like a second down and some kind of long third down conversion where it looked like they were going to sack him, and then he got the pass off, and they caught it right at the stick. So in 2015, the Vols were what, Matt? Uh, according to Field Steel, they were 15-and-a-half-point underdogs. And, what and was, I think that Bama team won the national title with, with Jake Coker at quarterback. And t- Tennessee really, I mean, they Tennessee really should have won that. I mean, they had the lead. They took the lead late, and then Bama had to had give them credit. They had a nice drive where they made a couple of pass plays and, and scored late to win with Derrick Henry. Back to the phones we get, uh, go. Let's get our next call in. Hello and welcome. Tony, Josh, you boy. Wings. Hey, Matt. Question for you, man. I'm here. Why does it always seem like, Matt, when Tennessee goes to Kentucky, like the last three or four meetings, that it has to be a night game up there in Lexington, like mm. where they're Super Bowl? It's there are Super Bowl. Some, somebody in the SEC scheduling office enjoys horse racing and likes to go to Keeneland that day. Five of straight. SEC five straight games at Kentucky have been at night. The last one that wasn't was twenty was twenty eleven. I do believe Keeneland is an October pursuit, which I guess that is at the end of October, isn't it? Uh, come to think about it, yep. it's no, that's, the last that's, weekend. That's of, really what I, that's the real read. Kentucky asked the SEC to have night games that then it drives Matt, for some reason yeah. the SEC does it for it them. drives Matt nuts the way they let Kentucky have these night games because it really is an edge to them it's a different stadium at night all these stadiums are different well, at it, night. it wasn't a different stadium the other night though when they played at night the other they night got they ran out of there well that's because Missouri just has such an NIL advantage over Kentucky that's right <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> what a great line great line yes Tony, uh, Florida's a shepherd. Yeah, he's a real goof. Yeah, he is. I love Kelvin, though. I love him. He's great. He's great. But, Tony, uh, what did you think about the birthday boy last night, Bryce Harper, getting uh, two home runs? I think the Phillies scared me last night, and I don't like the concept of scoring the first five uh, or scoring a bunch of runs early and then not scoring. I, I don't like what that portends for in game two. I didn't like the way the Phillies looked last night. I don't like going two of 11 with runners in scoring position. That's not, uh, not how you win yeah. in the postseason. Not That's not how we deal. lost the Braves not game. Not That's how we lost the one Braves game. Yeah. When you have runners in scoring position, you have to take advantage. Yeah, you got to get some of those ducks in the pond off the pond every once in a while. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tony, uh, do you guys think Joe Milton can 
You think he can hit a few passes Saturday and gain some confidence? He better or you won't win. He's got to hit some passes Saturday. You won't win that game if he doesn't. He's got to connect on a few. How many now, big plays, Matt, do we need from the passing game to win Saturday? That's a great question. How many do we need? Think about that between now and Thursday. Matt will do the research. Anything else, Joshy boy? I'm going to say you need to complete at least around the 15 or 16 range. Well, that would be more than we've had all year. Yep. Um, but uh, he might. What do you think they're going to do, Tony? Do you think Bama's going to play uh, one half safety on us on defense? I think Alabama is going to be the first team that's going to adjust to the new reality of Tennessee. I, I fully expect that. I think they have probably enough in their secondary to do that. If you look at where they are, they're better than we are. They're better than most teams in their secondary. And so, and I think they believe.